Our guest today is Nick Lewis. Nick makes his producing and directorial debut with Rise and Shine, The Jay Demerit Story. A California native, Nick studied at the University of California, Santa Barbara, and currently lives in La Jolla, California. He balances his time between being a successful practicing attorney and his producing of the film Rise and Shine, The Jay Demerit Story. Nick also wrote the film with his partner, Ranko Tutelugia. Hope I said that you right. Got it. Who's an acupuncturist? Amazing. Yeah. If you guys would see how he spells this last name, it's and I would love to have you try blend. to pronounce that. Is it one more time, Karen? Tutelugia. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Right. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> with, with no prior filmmaking ex- experience, Nick Ranko and cinematographer Zach Salesman embarked on a year and a half journey covering three continents, following soccer player Jay Demerit. From his Green Bay roots all the way to the 2010 World Cup, Rise and Shine became the highest crowdfunded independent documentary film on Kickstarter, raising over $223,000 with a total of 1,937 passionate and committed backers. The film is going to be released nationwide this Thursday, November 3rd, 2011, and over 100 theaters. You can... You can purchase advanced tickets right now at jdemeritstory.com. Yeah, Rise and Shine, the Jay Demerit story, is a true account of a young American's impossible journey, a journey never experienced or heard of in the soccer world. After college, Jay uh, Demerit's dream of playing pro soccer in Europe, it seemed unreachable. Sleeping in an attic, uh, painting houses, and eating beans and toast to survive, Jay took the most unlikely route to the top. I'm wondering how many people listening have eaten bean, the combination of beans, beans and, and toast. toast. Is that you a know? complete protein? That might be. I like <laughs> that. After not making the professional leagues in the U.S., Jay left for Europe at the age of 21 without any professional experience, carrying only a passport, $1,500, and a backpack. The film documents Jay's journey from the bottom, playing in Sunday Park Leagues and lower-level Division London clubs, earning 40 pounds a week to playing in the English Premier League, to starting in the 2010 World Cup. I am just pumped for today's episode of Film so Courage. You, you, know, you guys, listen, you're really going to want to watch this trailer online to feel the impact from this um, incredible story. Um, as we mentioned, this movie's playing all over the country this November 3rd. You can go to jdemeritstory.com and, and see if there's a theater near you. Uh, this one is receiving press from all the major outlets, from the LA Times to Variety to IndieWire to the Washington Post, Sports Illustrated, Huffington Post. Mm-hmm. It just goes on and on and on. Yeah, and please welcome to Film Courage via telephone, Mr. Nick Lewis. Hello. Welcome, Nick. Hey. Thank you so much for having me, guys, and uh, happy Halloween weekend to everyone out there. Absolutely. Nick, we have a lot of ground to cover. There's so many aspects of this story and then of what you've done as a filmmaker and what Jay Demerit has done that, you know, it just gives you goosebumps. Now, your fellow co-writer and co-director, Ranko, has also an equally compelling story as Jay Demerit. So since the movie begins with their friendship, and it's an amazing story, can you tell us about the friendship between Jay and Ranko, and Ranko's dream to play soccer and how his life turned away from the sport that he loved so much. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so much to the film and Jay's story and the the stories that have really come out of Jay's story, and that's obviously one of the the big ones. Um, I met Jay when he was just another guy in college. Simple as that. And uh, 
he was playing soccer with Ronco in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, you know, playing in college soccer um, at a school that wasn't really a well-known great soccer school or anything like that. But they um, achieved some success. And Ronco and Jay were, were really good friends. Ronco actually, when he got there, kind of stayed on his couch for the first few months. Um, Ronco got some, something that's called exercise. I'm probably not going to say it right, but essentially he overworked his body. And it affected um, his kidney. Hmm. And his body started to break down, and this was after college. Um, and he couldn't find a solution. He, he went to doctors um, over and over, and, and he couldn't get either a diagnosis or something that would make it better. So he, he actually went to um, to Asia, to China, to seek out um, ancient uh, medicine, ancient oriental medicine. Mm-hmm. And through that, he was treated. Um, and this was after, you know, suffering for a while, for years, actually. And he and Jay lost touch um, until, and I don't want to put the ox before the horse because the last, I guess, at this point, the, the listeners heard is, you know, Jay's a college soccer player, but um, he went on and Jay had his own journey. And um, for now, I'll just say that their paths crossed again uh, at a later time when Jay was actually playing, um, representing his country, um, playing a game in Los Angeles. And they met up, and at that point, Ronco was still very sick, and, and essentially Jay um, said, look, if you need a kidney, here I am. Just let me know what what, well, what I need to do. Oh, wow. um, lo and behold, you know, years later now, we have a film coming out about Jay. And speaking of this film, you know, going back to the beginning, as you're mentioning there, Nick, it, it was your idea to take Jay's story and, and to make a movie. I mean, was it simply something that you thought would be cool or, or was it something that you, you really felt had to be done? I mean, was this an idea that you just couldn't get out of out of your head once it once it kind of struck you? Yeah, we had a title uh, originally was when we we kind of wrote, you know, put a script together and what, what the documentary is going to be in the title is a story that needs to be told. So um, that kind of answers that question. We really thought it was just something that needed to be told because, for one, Jay was um, getting ready to play in the World Cup in South Africa last summer. And it was uh, actually, and I don't want to ramble too much, but, you know, there was an article written by uh journalist in South Korea who said out of all the players at the World Cup, Jay's path there was the most unlikely. And then that covers so many stories about so many people getting to the World Cup. Um, and it really was just something we felt needed to be told because of the way that he had, you know, gotten to the World Cup. I mean, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime story, I think. Were you part of the discussion of pitching the movie idea to Jay? And if so, did you think that he would say yes? Yeah, Bronco talked to him first, and then we both got on the phone with him. And, you know, as as you guys said, we are not full-time filmmakers. So um, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it wasn't like we had this, you know, master plan. We just said, hey, Jay, we'd like to uh, document your story. Originally, we actually um, were just going to kind of oversee it. And we had a director who's a, a professional director uh, and a family friend of mine, actually, who had worked in, in various um, 
soccer-related stuff, like filming in England for various, you know, companies. And it was all, that was the plan. But about a week before shooting began, he had some family issues and pulled out. He just couldn't do it. He couldn't do the traveling. Um, so we were really left with a choice at that point. And we had found a, a great cinematographer. Um, you guys mentioned his name was Zach Salzman. Salzman. And we talked to him, and he said, yeah, I was going to say, you got the hard name right and the easy name. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a little hot. <laughs> I just messed it up there. No, um, continue, Nick, continue. He said we, we could do it. You know, he, he said, look, you guys know the story, and, and we, we definitely uh, know the game of soccer. We're both very passionate. And so he said we could do it. We didn't know if we could do it, but we just jumped right into it because we didn't have any time. I mean, it was uh, that was why we wanted to do a documentary. There'd actually been talk of doing a feature, but um, we wanted to document the present. I mean, you know, to have the opportunity to get to capture Jay at the World Cup from, you know, on the field to actually behind the scenes and off the field or even gave him his own personal camera. So you get to see kind of through his eyes what he was experiencing. And then um, he was also on his way out of England. So it was really just a a moment where we didn't have time to think about it. We just just had to go. Nick, I'd like to stay with the moment of, of you pitching Jay. Um, you know, like, how, how did he respond? I mean, was he on board from, from the very beginning? Was he reluctant? He was a little reluctant. I think for a few reasons. One is because um, he is a pretty humble guy. And I think the reason he's humble is because of where he came from. You know, he, he wasn't someone that came up in the quote-unquote system. So he's really um, been able to, I think, have the perspective where he, he's, he feels blessed to be where he is. So he didn't want to be the guy that has, you know, look at me, here's a movie about me. But um, as it went on, you realize that it really isn't about him. It's about the journey, and it's about inspiring other people. Um, but back, back to specifically your question is, you know, he entertained it and um, I guess he had some reservations, but at the same time I think he realized it was a very, you know, unique story and, um, I mean, it was obviously a huge deal for him to go to this World Cup. I mean, this is, you know, his first World Cup, probably his last. And so I think that was one reason he, he got more on board is because we talked to him about, you know, let's capture this journey leading up to the World Cup. And then he also was interested in hearing what people had to say along the way because the way he did his, his story was so unique. I mean, you know, he had uh, to get to, quote-unquote, the professional leagues. He went from playing in front of 50 people to having a, a tryout right before the season was starting with a, a professional team. And he was curious to hear what, you know, what people had to say, like, his teammates who who is this random american guy who just shows up and next thing we know he's on the team literally signed the next day and you know his coaches along the way and people that he lived with in england where he slept on an attic so i think that was one thing he was interested in because he hadn't really stopped to look back so he liked that aspect and then he liked the fact that the world cup was approaching and that was uh kind of kind of what did it you said something that sparked my ears you said he didn't come from the quote-unquote system. Can you define what that system is? I mean, in in Europe, the system is different than the U.S. In in Europe, the major countries, the Western European countries, 
if you want to play professional soccer, let's take, you know, David Beckham, for, for example. David Beckham, when he was like seven years old, got signed by Manchester United. He goes, he lives at the club, he studies for 10, 20% of the day, and he plays football the other 80% of the day, soccer. And he does that all the way until he's 16, you know, gets signed, signs a contract, and then by 18, 19, you either know you're going to make it or, or you're not. Mm-hmm. And that's really the system in Europe is, it's you know, you, you live it. Same with South America, same, same with Africa too, actually. If you have the talent, then clubs will take you in and they'll pay for, mm-hmm. you know, pay, pay some, some money and get you to do what you need to do school-wise, but you're really just playing. In the U.S., it's a bit different. You um, obviously don't do that, and most people, at least until the last few years, go to college, they play college soccer, and then they sign a contract. But they also play in the U.S. soccer, the national team system. You know, they usually start in under whatever, under 10, under 12, and then it gets more serious. You play in under 17 World Cups and under you know, 19, under 20 World Cups. And you really, you know, you, you get to know the U.S. style of playing, the coaches, the players. And Jay did none of that. I mean, he played soccer, um in college he didn't get signed to a professional team he didn't get drafted and so at that time he's you know 21 years old without any quote-unquote soccer resume and he had no real you know path there was no path for him to go on there's usually a very clear defined path and for him um he could have stopped he could have gotten a job but he chose to take whatever money he could get together borrowing it and using his savings and probably asking his parents for a little bit and took that money in a backpack and just jumped over to Europe. And how long was it from the moment you decided you were going to make the film to actually rolling the cameras? Very short, probably eight weeks. We found a cameraman about a week before we were going to start shooting, maybe two weeks before. Literally, we went online on, on Mandy.com with kind of a Craigslist for, for film and mm-hmm. We um, put it up and said, "Hey, we want a cameraman. Here's, you know, here's the film." And I think we had about 250 people respond. So <laughs> we kind of whittled it down and um, just were blessed to find someone who we were, you know, we weren't anybody's. I mean, we weren't Hollywood. We weren't a production company, but we found someone that really worked out well. Um, and you know, that was that was it. We went from there to all over the world three continents and about 50 days of shooting. Now, Nick, who, who made up your filmmaking team and, and what did your equipment consist of? It's funny because the, the cinematographer um, who's actually at that point he was probably three months out of college from uh, from college. He had just moved to L.A. And, you know, he, he even in that time he He'd worked on some some more um, you know high budget films and 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 projects and you know he said look you usually have a you know lighting few lighting guys sound guys maybe makeup mm-hmm. our our team was three people and it was a cinematographer and then Ronco and myself and if if something needed to be done with lighting or sound you know he would tell us what to do and we kind of started to get the terminology that we had zero technical experience and we relied on him. And if you look at, um, 
the film, it actually it was shot in high def, um, and it actually looks like it's a decent budget film. I mean, he's amazing with lighting and really just capturing things. So we got really, really lucky because that was it. We had a camera, we had some lighting equipment, most of it rented, and uh, yeah, a mic, and that was it. So with no experience, the three of you, you make this film. I mean, looking back on it, do you sort of wish... <laughs> that a professional director or filmmaker had kind of come in and, and done this all for you? Or are you grateful for all of the, I'm sure, you know, times when you wanted to tear your hair out and, and things weren't going right? Or has it sort of seasoned you? you don't, you're, you're, you're grateful for the experience, or do you wish someone else had kind of come in and just taken the reins? That's a hard question because I, I, I really, at this point, can say that I'm very happy with the film and the way it portrays Jay's story. I mean, it... It is probably a story that deserves, well, I mean, it definitely is a story that deserves more, I guess, a bigger budget, more more of a team, but I'm very happy with, with what we did, and I think Jay is as well, and it really captures the story, and there was probably some advantages, too, in that, um, I, I don't know, we it would have had to have been the right person, because I think we got people in the soccer world and and you know we were going to England and and talking to coaches who are you know well very well known professional coaches and the same thing goes for in the US with the national team coach but just because we're able to talk soccer so to speak i think it was able to bring out more from them and maybe give them a bit more respect so i don't know if i can really answer your question but I do think that the final product is pretty amazing Nick, I, I like the thoughts you shared there. Yeah, so, I so like thank that. you for yeah, that. And, nice. and, and I'm, I'm wondering, do you have any other insights that you learned about yourself or about life making this film? Yeah, definitely. The film starts out with a quote the, the poorest man on earth is not one without a scent, it is one without a dream. And for me personally, that, that quote means so much because, um, you know, it symbolizes Jay's story of someone who didn't have much, you know, when it, when it came to what a typical soccer player or athlete or, you know, World Cup athlete or World Cup player would have, but he had a dream and, and he really did what it took. And I think that the film, the way it came about symbolizes that um, because, you know, again, we weren't professional anythings. We, we weren't film guys. I mean, I like film and I, dabbled in it but I was not a professional um, but we really had this goal and through hard work and determination we made it happen and I think that maybe I've learned that is is it's really the sky's the limit I mean if you know I would have gone and told people um, what I was doing because I really didn't tell too many people hey I'm going out and making this film um, but if I would have said, hey, guys, I'm going to spend the next two years and make a film, and it's going to be in theaters, uh, and by guys, I mean people I work with or, you know, people that just know me as some some lawyer, some random, you know, some random person, not a filmmaker, not a director. And I would tell people, yeah, and I'm going to, you know, direct this film, and, oh, it's going to get covered in Sports Illustrated and Huffington Post and the New York Post, and, you know, we're going to be on Sports Center and, people would probably have laughed or said, no way, you're, you know, you're crazy or just ignored it completely. But um, I guess through this process, it's, it's 
kind of secured my my belief that things are possible. I mean, really, the sky is the limit. Because you have gone this traditional route, and you've gone to law school, and you've passed the bar, and, and now you're practicing. So you didn't tell too many people about it? I could see how in that that professional realm, people would scoff. So you kept it quiet from co-workers and family? Yeah, I mean, my, my family knew about it, and, you know, some of my friends did, but <laughs> it's funny because I, I have showed it to a few people, and they say, whoa, that's actually a real film. <laughs> <laughs> Like, they didn't get it. I mean, there's some, you know, I guess anyone can make a film and, and film things, but um, I, don't, I don't think it would have really mattered, I guess, because I don't think they could have understand. I mean, when you see the film on the big screen, it's a, a film. And so when I've, I've shown people, I think they've really been blown away. This is Film Courage. We are on the line with filmmaker Nick Lewis of Rise and Shine, the Jay Demerit story. Um, go to jdemeritstory.com to find the screening near you. Nick, your campaign is number three all time in money raised on Kickstarter. What was your strategy regarding the campaign video and why did you decide to only use the feature in the trailer? We went out and we made this film and there wasn't any announcement, like, you know, documentary coming out about professional athlete. It wasn't in the trades or anything like that. I mean, by when I say we were in the wilderness, we were literally in the wilderness. We we just went, 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 filmed, worked our day jobs, just, you know, heads down, like always, always rushing, always some sort of barrier, you know, not, well, barrier, yes, there were always barriers, but also deadlines or things we had to do. And then from there, we um, kind of set a deadline to try and get something ready for Sundance. So it was this crazy amount of work, editing and, you know, we had a hundred plus hours of footage and like we hadn't shown it to anyone. We were just in the wilderness. Through this process, we met a, up with a, a friend of a friend who ended up creating this trailer and it kind of accidentally went on YouTube and um, got this amazing response from people. Like what, the first, you know. What do you mean it accidentally appeared on YouTube? What do you mean? <laughs> the guy who made it. We were, he was like, yeah, you know, we should put it up. And we, we had talked and we were kind of like, well, I don't know. And I don't, I don't know exactly what happened in the conversation, but we weren't clear it was going up. And the next thing we know, it's like all over the internet, at least in the soccer world. And we were like, wow, we didn't even realize it was up. You know, we weren't really expecting it to even be up yet. Um, so we went from being like in the wilderness as in, we didn't know if anyone would like it. We didn't know if anyone would watch it. We just thought, well, we've we've done something. At the very least, Jake can show his grandkids his story. <laughs> but um, from there, it was like attention was immediately onto it, and it was like documentary on Jada Merritt coming out. So I guess that's why we use it on Kickstarter because we had that, um, you know, it really propelled it into something that was like a like a realistic thing. Like at this point, we actually have something that can realistically be shown and, and people will watch it. So, you know, I, we we um, we were actually through that trailer. We, we ended up putting uh, something that said for distribution or funding called my cell phone. And um, we got tons of calls. And then we also got a lot of people who said, hey, you guys should check out this, this Kickstarter, this crowdfunding method. And um, we talked to Jay about it, 
and we, you know, we talk to people. We talk to Hollywood people. We talk to investment people. Um, so ultimately, through a variety of things, we figured that was just the best way to go for us for multiple reasons. And now that's why we put the trailer up, I guess, because it really was something that we knew people enjoyed and um, it worked. And in speaking to the quote-unquote Hollywood people, at what point did you realize to move on that maybe some of those promises weren't going to pan out and that Kickstarter was the way to go? I mean, were you maybe jazzed by the idea of somebody coming in and writing a check for it? Through this process, too, we've learned, um, and it's somewhat of a cliche that you can use in a lot of different areas of life, but if you want to get something done, you have to do it yourself. And that it just rings so true i mean for everything we've done it's it's kind of been the, the, the point that we can always go back to but you know there's people who get interested especially in film and there's a lot of talk but um either we didn't feel it was right because it wasn't this film has never been about money for us i mean that's been the last thing on our minds and let me tell you the amount of money we personally spent on our own, not, not, not ever knowing if this thing would ever see the light of day. Um, so that wasn't really something that was, was even, you know, weighing on our mind, except that we had this barrier because what we had is we had a film, but the licensing rights to actually show it around the world. And, you know, in the U.S. was so expensive to show this, this footage. We, we licensed it temporarily for film festivals. Um, but, you know, to show uh, Premier League footage or World Cup footage, it starts to run at $20,000 a minute. Mm-hmm. And we had this huge number that we were facing. And, and that's when we really did, you know, we, we wanted to find something to get it done. Um, and we talked to people, but it wasn't, nothing right ever happened for one reason or another. Um, and we were also not just going to wait around, you know, for something because... There's, there's all, again, like I guess with film and um, things like this, there's a lot of people get quote unquote interested, but to actually get from point A to, to point Z, there's so much that has to kind of get worked out along the way. And we really wanted to um, just, you know, not have to rely on anything because what happens is it falls out or it doesn't work and then we're back to square one. And, you know, we had this momentum going where we got the, talk going and the trailer out and people continuously ask well how can i see it so um, we moved pretty fast in, in getting it on kickstarter and we set the highest goal ever actually for a project um and that was because we wanted to make sure we had enough to get it done simple as that so we didn't have to go and find more money or mm-hmm. you know delay the process so we set a, a goal i think two hundred and fifteen thousand dollars, and we were i guess ready to entertain other things if that didn't didn't happen but um we just went all out and did everything we could to make it happen i'm sure too you're being an attorney and being knowledgeable about contracts it probably helped in the process to speed up the decision with kickstarter maybe hearing some of these things where it might keep other people in limbo for a while but you probably saw from your own experience if the paperwork's not there then it's probably not legit yeah, exactly that. And also there's just something to say about too many cooks in a kitchen, I think, where, you know, everyone <laughs> who gets involved wants to have their own vision and they want to change things. And sometimes they just want to change things for the sake of them being able to feel like they're playing more of a part of it, which I totally understand and it's totally fine. But, um, 
you know, we lived this project at that point for over a year, and I, I think, you know, along with Jay, we felt like we really could um, could tell it the best. And Jay loved the fact that it was something that he, he's always been a guy who's really like um, one of the fans. And by that I mean we, we asked him, hey, Jay, do we have any jerseys to give away for this Kickstarter? And he said, no, I, I give them all after every game. I always toss them to a fan. You know, he'll he'll go out and have a beer with fans and really he's, he's just, you know, that, that guy is really, really, he'll always go the extra mile to sign an autograph or do things. And he loved the fact that um, this could be something that could be made possible by the support of fans and, you know, people who like independent film and, and obviously a great story like his, which really is a, it's, it's more than a soccer story. I think it's a, you know, universal story of, of achieving your goals and persevering. And um, it's something that it's grown and, and people are really um, realizing the value of it. And I don't want to get too far on a tangent, but I just think that especially today with the films that you see come about, you know, where these studios sink, sink 30 or 40 or 50 million into making a comic book sequel or, you know, some just huge action blockbuster i mean to have these real true stories i think people are hungry for them yeah people relate too to that quote-unquote underdog as well and they they really want to root for him mm -hmm. you know nick I, I can't help but wonder you know i mean obviously the licensing licensing rights to the film you know caused you to set that mark at two hundred fifteen thousand. um very ambitious i'm wondering what what would have happened if if the licensing fees came out to a million dollars. Would would you still have launched a, a crowdfunding campaign? And, and do you think you would have been able to reach that goal? Uh, we would have launched it. I don't know if we would have reached the goal. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were going to do whatever it took to get it done. Simple as that. I don't think we would have stopped. I mean, we invested time and effort, and just not only that, but we saw like throughout the process of filming, we just. There's so many layers to Jay's story that we didn't even realize because, you know, we talked to him and we read about it, but the more we talked to other people and, and like, brought things out, the more we realized just how unique and how special a story it is. So it was something that we, you know, I don't think we would have given up. Let's talk about right before you launched the campaign. You know, you find out about Kickstarter, people are saying, hey, you know, you guys should take a look at this. You know, then what did you do? I mean, how, how much time before, you know, you were hearing about Kickstarter until you actually launched the campaign? You know, so what, what did you do in that in-between time? We spent about two months, um, and it wasn't like we just spent two months completely focusing on Kickstarter. Like, we were talking to people about, again, about investments. I mean, we had, you know, a few quote-unquote bigger Hollywood names ask around and get it you know get interested but um we also again felt like we didn't want to put it into anyone else's hands so we started exploring it in the first few weeks just kind of looking into it and you know figuring out because it, for people who don't know about kickstarter like me i, I had no idea it's, the concepts are something you have to get familiar with and that's basically the all or nothing where you know it takes a little while to grasp that you have to raise all the money that you set. You, you have to meet your goal or else you don't get any of it. And we didn't know if, you know, there was, there was the right thing. And then we, we kind of, the more we, we learned and, and, and 
the the um, theory behind Kickstarter, which is essentially that as people come on board and feel a part of your project, they get really invested as well and want to make it succeed. So um, once you get closer to that mark, you, you have this momentum and this this variety of people that are out there supporting your project to help push it over. So we kind of got familiar with that and we figured out our numbers. That was another big thing. We, we did a lot of number crunching and then figuring out just the reward system where it's, uh, you know, you're not donating um, for people that don't understand Kickstarter and, and it's a concept that actually takes a while for people to get, but you're not just donating money to a film. You're getting something back and we, what it is is you get rewards and we um, had to figure out, you know, what would be good rewards, what would make people want to contribute to the project. So we got that squared away and then we kind of wrote our story up, Jay's story, um, you know, just got that whole thing ready and then laid more groundwork with getting our social media ready because with that, that goal, you don't want to just start at zero. I mean, we tried to really get the momentum going um, in the few weeks before. And then we, I remember that night we launched it. We just spent like, you know, t 20 hours straight getting it all done and launched it. And that was it. It was uh, 75 days and a lot of uh, roller co <laughs> a roller coaster the whole time <laughs> because you get so involved in the process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's really, uh, especially when you start to get, your goal, you see it going up, and then some days it'll stay flat, and you'll say, oh, my gosh, I don't want to miss this goal. And, you know, I put all this time into it, and all these people are invested, and they don't want to miss it. But um, I guess kind of around the halfway point, we said, you know, no matter what happens, it's, it's completely worthwhile because it's gotten the word out, and people really are invested. And it's clear that there's a, you know, a passionate amount of people that want to see this film. So... We took that that philosophy, I guess, but it's still stressful. And near the end, it was extremely stressful. We got close, but we still had you know thirty thousand dollars to raise. I think in the six seven days before, mm. so it's mm. kind of like, well, are oh. we going to do this? If you can kind of break down what you did in those weeks leading up to launching the campaign in terms of social media, like you know, starting a Twitter account, right, and, and Facebook, but what did you actually do to find interested followers because you have a really passionate group i mean just from reading some of the stuff on your facebook fan page i mean there's kids that are donating their allowance money so a lot of that came out through the process i don't think we had any idea of how many passionate people there were but um we're lucky because the soccer uh, the soccer community is passionate and and it's a lot of people who really you know care about the sport um so that was really what we did is we reached out to groups we did some some radio shows because you know people did know about Jay obviously and and some knew about his story and some were interested in hearing more about his story so we did that and we kind of raised awareness um, a lot of stuff with, with blogs as well and I think that you know for other people listening this can really serve for any film because every film has an audience whether it's a film about a car or you know a dog or a comic book and really figuring out how to reach those people so that was one thing we did and started to communicate um, with some of the organizations with some of the supporters groups you know fan groups and um, like by that I mean there's 
you know, U.S. soccer, the national team, there's very passionate uh, fan supporter group, and we communicated with them and told them about the project and created a list of all these different organizations and people to reach out to. So that that was it. Um, basically, we did that. We did the Facebook, the Twitter, and kind of started getting the word out and letting people know that it was going to launch on this date. And, you know, to spread the word, obviously, because we utilized social networking 100%. That was that was what did it for us. It's just allowing everyone to get the word out to everyone else who would be interested. And um, that was that was it. And we started out pretty well. I think the first few days, you know, we brought in like ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. And um, it was exciting. And that was, kind of allowed us to, to continue to work at this frantic pace. Any tips on constructing an email to someone uh, for your pitch? I mean, do you have any do's and don'ts as far as how to reach out to people? It's a tricky thing, you know, because so much of email, we just go, oh, okay, and we pass on it. And we, But what were some of the things that you want to incorporate into this pitch? I think the do's are really explain what you're doing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that it, for us, it was partially explaining that what Kickstarter is and what we're doing. And really letting people know who you are, I think that was important. Like, people got involved not just in Jay's story, but in our story, because they really liked to see that there was, you know, people who really, you know, were not professional filmmakers, and (laughs) it was pretty obvious. I mean, we were just, I guess, I don't know how to say it, but we were open to everyone. Like, I think when you get maybe a studio they probably do it the exact opposite way where um like for us you can have call myself on any time you can email we responded to every single person and, and it was you know no person was too small and, and and we wanted everyone to be a part of it i mean we you know we involved people as much as we could and whether it was asking for recommendations on what we should do or you know people hey, can you get Jay to tweet about me? Yeah, no problem. I mean, we did everything that we could, um, and we really made it a very inclusive thing. So Mm. I I don't know if that answered your question, but regarding emails, I think just another do is is allowing people, um, letting people know what they can do and not making them do 50 things, but hey, if you are interested in Jay's story and for us, you know, if you want to see the sport grow and, and... you know, reach new levels, here's what you can do. You can do X, Y, and Z. You can tell the coaches in your town and, you know, invite people to go to our Facebook, stuff like that. And one of the folks you attracted to the campaign, um, Stuart Holden, U.S. soccer player, currently playing for the Bolton Wanderers, um, and he gave you guys a substantial pledge. So I wanted to kind of mention that, but, but as if Ronco's story and Jay's story aren't enough, can you tell us about Evan Mundine and his connection to this film? Yeah, Evan's uh, our man of the match, as we say. He's uh, just an incredible, incredible kid. and I, I think that things like that are what has gotten Jay so involved, actually. Because, you know, he's lived this, but um, he had no idea that this story would have the impact it did. And when he sees people like Evan out there. I mean, it's really just brought it to another level for Jay where, you know, I think he's, he's humbled and amazed 
and it's really made him want to work and do whatever he could to get it out because it's not your traditional way to get a film out. And Evan is a, a kid out in, in uh, Texas who is Jay's favorite player. Um, he's 14, but he's got the mind probably sharper than, than most 30-year-old attorneys that I know, most 40-year-old <laughs> attorneys. A really, really awesome kid, awesome writer, so smart. Um, he's gone through a lot with his own health. He's uh, had cancer and fought it, and he's had multiple surgeries in, in his chest, actually. And I know he's gone through a lot of pain, but um, it hasn't ever stopped him. And, and he's someone who really doesn't want the attention on him. Um, but, I mean, he should have his own story, his own film. He's just incredible what he's done to inspire others. Um, and he loves the project. I mean, he, he, he is so fired up that something like this is happening where, um, you know, it, it's allowing other people to achieve their dreams, if that makes sense. By getting Jay's story out, people have really, I think, felt like they've accomplished a lot because we've had people like Evan become so involved. I mean, to raise funds where we had this big goal, you know, he went door to door and he set up his own three-on-three soccer tournament and he ended up raising well over $1,500, and by well over, I mean, he raised 1500 but the amount of attention and people that he brought out has been incredible. He's arranged for us to do, you know, interviews where he said, hey, this big-time sports guy wants to interview you guys because he's really just a, an active, sharp guy who's, um, you know, for, again, for, like, a 14-year-old that just blows me away. Wow. Maybe that's your next documentary right there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he really is. Mm-hmm. It's never about him. He, if he's not doing this, he's always doing something else to help other people out. We wanted to get a few more questions in about, first off, the theatrical deal. Did you land that during the crowdfunding campaign? It was cool because we had been um, communicating. We, we signed a, a distribution deal for the theaters with a company called Me Entertainment. And they're a, a smaller company but they're awesome huge hearts and they're really just been we've been blessed to work with them because we worked hand in hand the whole time um and they reached out during the campaign very early on and said hey it's a cool project i want to let you know who we are you know this is what we do um and that meant a lot because at that point it wasn't like hey we're gonna you know reach our goal and get on sports illustrated or stuff like that they just they saw the project and they liked it and then after the goal was met. We talked to him again, and um, we talked to a few other people, but we just felt like it was the right thing, mainly because of the, the um, just the, the presence that they had, and we were able to communicate really well. And It's been awesome. We've worked hand-in-hand. Hand. I mean, we have zero ad budget. We've done, we're in over 130 theaters now with literally zero ad budget, and we've utilized all of our social networking and you know they've done an incredible job of getting us into theaters and um we're just blown away by how big the film has gotten and you know and again in such a in the way that it's happened is incredible and it's been big barriers but we've overcome each one and i think a lot of that comes down to jay's story and then just the passion behind um you know, the, the, the people that have become involved, and we've had 
know, 2,000 people contribute, but so many more people will become involved. And where do you plan to be Thursday, November 3rd? Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to be in, uh, in Hollywood at the Arclight Hollywood. Oh, very cool. Oh, very Yeah, yeah, so. All right. Very cool. It should be awesome. Well, those of us here in yeah, LA, we got to get out to the ArcLight and see you then and yeah. see this film. Yeah, I just encourage everyone that's playing in at all the ArcLights in Los Angeles. It's limited release right now, so the dates are November 3rd and November 10th in LA. Um, there's also some Sunday shows, uh, Sunday matinees. And again, you know, jdemeritstory.com has all the info. And um, I just encourage everyone to watch it because it's. I think it's a big victory for independent film. For more on Nick Lewis and Rise and Shine, the Jay Demerit story, as he mentioned, please visit jdemeritstory.com where you can find times and places of the premiere on November 3rd at Jay. Um, and he's, you can also find them at Jay Demerit Story on Twitter um, and Facebook.com uh, slash the Jay Demerit Story. Thanks again, Nick, for your time. We really appreciate it. And it was great meeting you last Sunday at the Filmmaker Forum, and we just really love your enthusiasm. Thank you for Thank you guys so much. Nick, I just wanted to thank you enough. Just yeah. phenomenal job. I just loved having yeah, you on the it. show and really wish we could have just extended this another, yeah, you know, know, we really do. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys. Take care, and, and again, thanks, and, you know, I'm here if you need anything. Awesome. All right, we wish you the All best. Right, yeah, we sure do.